Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. I want you to take out your handouts, if you will, please. You should have received these last week. If you do not have one, we have more. So we have our ushers ready to pass these out. So raise your hand if you do not have one of these. It's, it's imperative. It's very important that you have one. We've got several in the front up here, five or six or seven, eight or so. We've got quite a few. So if we can, let's get these passed out and um, keep bringing these back. And we're going to continue to work our way through this. Last week I shared with you really one of, I think, one of the most important lessons to learn as a Christian, as a believer, is how to prioritize your life. Now that's important for everybody, but I put more emphasis on the Christian and on the believer because our priorities have eternal significance or consequences, if you will. And so um, I want to just kind of park in this series here for the next uh, several weeks, and then I'm going to jump right into and try to do a little catch up with Financial Peace and, and piggyback on what's taking place with Financial Peace University, uh, which, by the way, uh, don't let money be a reason why you do not show up at 1.30 next week for Financial Peace University. Uh, if you cannot afford the packet, you can still attend. You'll get great value and content out of the lessons that are being taught. The packet is more for you to go home and do some homework and different things. But don't let the value or the cost of the packet keep you from attending Financial Peace University. I promise you there's some life-transforming biblical principles that are taught concerning your finances in that class that will launch you and set you up. Uh, for your family as far as finances are concerned. So that's next Sunday, right, Beth? That starts next Sunday at 1.30. Uh, and I do a pre- Give Beth a hand. Wow, we just love Beth around here. Uh, she is so willing to get in there and serve and work, and she really has a passion to teach. And she's led. This is, is this the third financial piece? Second financial piece, and then you, the legacy. The legacy. Uh, so anyhow, thank you, Beth, for doing that. And uh, that takes a lot of sacrifice and effort and work to, to do that. And so thank you for doing that, Beth. And I hope and pray you'll be here for that and sign up for that if you haven't already. It's not too late. Uh, we had some folks asking last week if it's too late. It's not too late. Uh, so um, go ahead and get plugged into that. Okay? It, but it's important that we have our priorities in order. And so that's what we're going to park on here for the next several weeks. Then I'll do a little catch-up and piggyback on financial peace. Uh, but it's important that we have some priorities in our life in order. Now, on our handout, last week it was kind of the introduction uh, for the whole concept and the paradigm and the biblical principle of a D6 family and a D6 church and living that out. Uh, Deuteron- D6 stands for Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm not going to go back there and rehash all of that. It's in your notes. If you missed anything, shoot me emails. All of my contact information is on these handouts. Reach out to me and I'll get notes and things to you to help you get caught up. So if you missed anything last week, I can catch you up on all of that. So, however, I made a promise. Every second Sunday, we're going to speak on the marriage and on uh, the home or the family. So I've asked my uh, my wonderful assistant Onesimus. By the way, some of you guys did not meet Onesimus. Uh, some, this was back 
what, in October and November, and we introduced Onesimus uh, for the first time. And so that's a good-looking guy, isn't he? Don't you think? You guys know who Onesimus is, right? Uh, he assisted the Apostle Paul, and so this is my assistant. So Onesimus wants you to give each other a high five real quick. So look to your neighbor and give a high five, and let's get started, okay? Here we go. Last week, we talked about setting our life and getting in some priorities in our life. And priority number one is our personal relationship with Christ, okay? Don't go there in your handouts. That's priority number one. That's what I should be speaking about today. However, I made a promise to you that I'm going to speak about what? Marriage and the home and family. How often am I going to do that? Every what? Every second Sunday. Today is the second Sunday. So we're going to, with tremendous respect for priority number one, which is our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to come back and speak on that next Sunday. I want us to go to priority number two. It's in your notes on page 11 of your handout. Okay? There are, there are four priorities that we're going to unpack in this session over the next several weeks that if we can get these priorities in order and if we can nail these things down in our life, it's going to lead us to the place of blessing and favor of the Lord. And that's what we want on our lives going into 2018. If you remember last week, I shared with you how we want the favor of God to rest on us. We want his Holy Spirit to be to be under our wings, if you will, and lifting us and leading us and guiding us. And the only way to make that happen is to get in alignment with the Word of God, right? There's something called spiritual formation, and we've got to get in alignment with the biblical principles that are found in God's Word. And we must live those out, the key word is intentionally, not haphazardly or not when I feel like it, but we must live these principles out intentionally every single day of our life. And so we've got to make room for these. So priority number one is our personal relationship with Christ. And we should be growing in that. I'm going to come back and speak on priority number one next week. Why? Tell me why. Because every second Sunday I'm going to preach on marriage and the home and family. So priority number two in our life, and you've got to get these in order. If you get these out of order at any time in your life, you're going to head down the road of heartache and trouble and misfortune and trials. And and the list just goes on and on of what you're going to face. So priority number two in our life is our spouse. Okay? For those that aren't married, it still needs to be priority number two. You need to be praying about who it is that God would have you to marry or have a relationship with you don't need to just jump into any relationship you need to take this very seriously right so we see priority number two is our spouse so i want you to look on page number 11 and we're going to talk briefly about priority number two which is our relationship with our spouse let's pray together and then we'll jump right into this um into this priority father Thank you, Lord, for our time together today. We pray, Lord, you lead and guide and direct our thought life and our minds and our hearts as we unpack this topic about our marriage and our relationship. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you help us to get these priorities in alignment. Yes, first and foremost is our personal relationship with you. Nothing usurps that. Nothing takes priority over that. And we're going to come back next week and talk about that. But today we're talking about Priority number two, which is our relationship with our significant other, with our wives, with our husbands, with our spouse. 
And Father, I just pray now that you open our hearts and our minds and help us to receive the Word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today we're going to talk about a little bit about, briefly about marriage, okay? And I'm going to work you through the next several pages in this handbook. But here's what I want you to understand. The marriage relationship is probably one of the most difficult relationships that you'll ever encounter in this world. You know, let me tell you why? Because you're building something. Be careful with the amens there, guys, whoever said that. You're going to get that honey, that honey is listening. I promise you. She's paying attention, okay? So it's tough. And the reason being is because we have to live with each other 24-7. Guys, do you realize that my wife sees me when I'm at my best? And my wife also sees me when I'm at my worst. She sees me when I'm happy. And she sees me when I'm ill and irritable and cranky. She sees me when my heart and life is filled with joy. And at the same time, she sees me when I'm stressed out. When I don't know how I'm going to get the answer to the next problem, whatever it is, that we're facing in life. I mean, in a marriage relationship, you really don't get to wear a mask. Right? We all put on masks every Sunday morning when we come to church, right? And we walk in here and we look good and we clean up and we put on our smiles and people ask how we're doing and we say, oh, good, good, everything's good, good. And behind every every face, there's a heartache, right? And if we all sit down long enough we, and we start unpacking that, we could all, all probably be weeping and crying and carrying on and be somewhat depressed when we leave here today, right? Because life is real, right? We have hard places to get through. So on Sunday mornings, we don't really see the worst in everyone. Matter of fact, you typically see the best of everyone on any given Sunday morning. Would you agree? But in a marriage relationship, you get to go home with that one you came to church with. And guess what? They're going to see you in every type of situation that there is in life. You're going to live that out together. So that's why I say the toughest, most difficult human relationship In all of life is your relationship with your spouse. It's the marriage relationship. Yes, it is the most difficult. However, it's also the most joyful. It's also the one that you reap far more benefits out of that relationship than any other relationship that you have in the world. There's tremendous blessings that flow through the marriage relationship. But we got to have our priorities in order, even in our relationship. So in our marriage, there's going to be problems. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. There's going to be ins and outs and ups and downs. There's going to be, oh, hallelujah, and oh, my goodness. I mean, we're going to have all of it, right? We're going to experience all of that together. Now, if you look in your notes, I'm about halfway through there, three-fourths of the way through there. I don't stand and preach to you as someone that is a superior on the subject of marriage. Really all I have, and there's a typo in your notes, it says 26, but really there's 33 years of marriage is all I have to pull from when I talk to you about marriage. Now in 33 years of marriage, and there's those that have been married a lot longer than that around here, and I understand that. But in 33 years of marriage that I'm going to be sharing with you, all I have to share with you are some of the experiences of my marriage and what the Bible says about marriage and trying to intentionally live that out over 33 years And all I have to share with you is that, hey, I've been married for 33 years. Now, that says far more about my wife than it does about me. That says far more about how gracious and kind and forgiving and merciful, and the list goes on and on, that she is far more than me. Okay? So what I want you to know 
is I don't have a perfect marriage. Okay? We do not have a perfect marriage. Debbie Cannon does not have a perfect husband. You, my friends, do not have a perfect pastor. Right? We're all humans. There's no one perfect. And I don't know about you. I've been around the church world a long time. And I'm just sick of trying to see the Pharisees walk around church like they got it all together. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen them, right? Oh, model yourself after me. Look at us. We are the ultimate family. There's a Greek word for that. It's called baloney. (laughs) Right? Nobody's got it all together all the time. Marriage is tough. But there's a commitment that you make that you're going to work through it, that you, you're going to stick together, that you're going to agree that you're going to be one in your marriage. So with a Christian marriage comes the idea that we cannot allow ourselves to get caught up into the culture of our world and our society today. We've got to think differently than our world thinks. We've got to act differently than our world acts. We've got to have expectations that are far different than what the world has. We live by a different set of principles in our Christian home and Christian marriage than what the world lives by in their marriages, okay? So there is a difference. We're guided by a different set of expectations. As a matter of fact, do you realize that your marriage is a picture of Christ and the church? And you'll find that at the bottom paragraph in your handouts. Your marriage, when you are living out your biblical role in marriage, when the husband is living out his biblical role of a husband, When the wife is living out her biblical role of a wife, what you guys are, you are a mirror or a reflection of Christ and the church. Christ and his bride. And his bride is the church. So really, our marriage should be a testimony to the world of what Christ and his church, that relationship, looks like. And of course, for a lot of Christian marriages... It looks like anything but heavenly. Would you agree? A lot of folks, just because you're a Christian, just because you're a believer, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that everything is where it needs to be. Well, that's what I want to try to help you with. Now, I'm not going to be able to share everything in one message, okay? But we're going to zero in on that topic over the next 12 months. So we're going to have 12 sermons this year on this particular subject, and hopefully there'll be something you can take from that that you can apply to your marriage and to your home and to your family that will be an aha moment that will help you in some of these situations that we're going to talk about. I want you to turn in your your notes to page 12. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Now, I had Dustin read Ecclesiastes for us, and that's in our notes as well, and we'll get there in a moment. But I want you to look in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 18. And this is the law of first mention. There's a biblical principle whenever you're studying Scripture, and it's the hermeneutical law of first mention. Where was the first mention of husband and wife and woman in the Bible? It would be here. In Genesis chapter 2. So that's where we go to really unpack some of this. And I'm just going to read it to you quickly. You're very familiar with this verse of Scripture. But in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 18, the Scripture says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. You realize the only time God said it's not good is here? Not good. This is not good. It is, everything else was good, right? But here we find it is not good That man should be alone. I will make a helper as his complement. 
So the Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every kind of bird and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the, the man called a living creature, that was its name. Would you imagine having that job? I mean, every bird that comes and every animal that comes and every creature that comes, he, he names it. Oh, elephant, that looks like an elephant. How did Adam know that looked like? We know it looks like an elephant because it's always been an elephant, right? What does the elephant have? Big long trunk, has tucks, has big old floppy ears. We know that. Why do we know that? Because it's a elephant. Adam, you ever thought, Adam, how'd you know that? How'd you know that was an elephant? I don't know why I think like that, but I, I think like that. How'd you call that an elephant? I know it's an elephant because he called it an elephant. So he named all of these creatures, okay? And whatever the man called a living creature, that was the name. Verse 20. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the, of the sky, to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found as his complement. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. Now, right here is where you'll find, once again, the law first mentioned. Here's the very first surgery ever took place in Scripture. Right? The great physician himself put Adam to sleep right, and performed a surgery. And Scripture says that he fell into this deep sleep. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to come over the man. He slept, and God took one of his ribs, and he closed the flesh at that place. He literally took one of his ribs. You guys know what the role of that rib was. I, I, I tell you this every time I read this scripture because I want you to know it. You know what the responsibility, the role of that one rib was that we no longer have? That's the rib that held our stomachs in. So when your husband gets that big old belly rolling out there, you just ought to praise God. Thank God I'm even alive. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't even be here, right? I'm just kidding. All right, just making sure you're listening here this morning, okay? All right, so the Lord God, he calls us leave, and the Lord God, he, look, verse 22. Then the Lord God made the rib, and he had taken from the man into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And the man said... This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And this one will be called, what's the next word? No, that's not what he said. He said, this one will be, whoa, man. We interpret that woman, right? But when Adam saw her, he saw something absolutely amazing. He saw his spouse. He saw his, whoa, man, that's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Read a little further. We are going to become one flesh. Wow. Guys, don't ever lose that mentality or that mindset about your wife. And that's not even in your notes. That's just an add-on. Every time you see her, it should be, whoa, man, that's my woman, right? Here's what I do know. The day you quit acting like that with her, there are other guys out there that will go, whoa, man, look at that woman. Hello? Say amen or me, but let me know you're out there, all right? You ought to praise your wife every single day. You ought to tell her how beautiful she is every single day. There ought to be something when she walks by that triggers you that she's got to say, down, boy. Are you with me? 
Are you with me, church? We're going to talk about marriage, right? And I don't know where my wife is. She's probably gone right now. <laughs> She's buried. I want you to look by there. Right? She's not on the front row for this message, is she? But I'm serious. The day you, you, the day you stop complimenting your wife is the day that she will turn her ear and look and hear for it somewhere else. And that's usually how affairs begin. Are you with me? So don't minimize what I'm trying to teach out of this particular passage. And I haven't even got to my workbook yet, but we'll get there in a moment, okay? This one is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman, for she was taken from man. Now look at verse 24. 24, verse 24, is a key verse in marriage. Look what it says. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Okay, so the ultimate goal of marriage is one what flesh oneness. The ultimate goal of marriage is oneness. In verse number 24, I want you to see what's taking place. They are going to leave their father and their mother. And then the scripture says they're going to he's going to bond with his wife. It's the word cleave. So there's the leaving. Then there's the cleaving. And then they're going to become one flesh. I call that the weaving. Okay? So we're going to leave and we're going to cleave and we're going to weave together and become one flesh. Now the reason why a lot of marriages never get to the place of oneness in their marriage is because one of those three principles aren't taking place. They haven't left their father and their mother. The leaving must take place. Now listen, that doesn't mean you disrespect mom and dad. That doesn't mean you no longer honor mom and dad. That doesn't mean you no longer hang out with mom and dad. However, the authority that mom and dad had over you, they no longer have. We've cut that umbilical cord of the relationship. Okay? They no longer have that authority. They no longer have that dependence or on you. Or you no longer have that dependence upon them. You become independent. That clipping of that umbilical cord must take place again okay the leaving must take place right now listen i love my kids and i love megan tyler's wife i want them to experience oneness but that doesn't mean i'm cut out of their life but now i don't expect things from him like i used to expect from him when he's sitting in my house he's his own man he's living his own life he's got his own wife There has to be that cutting, that leaving of father and mother to the child. Kristen's going to be getting married this year, and that's going to be a tough one to give away. But we're going to do the same thing with that. Aren't we, Debbie? (laughs) Yes, we're going to do the same thing, right? So we've got to have the leaving part. And then we've got to have the bonding with the spouse, the cleaving to each other, okay? So now you're transferring that dependence, that loyalty that you had to your parents. Now you're transferring that to your spouse. And a lot of, a lot of marriages never get off the ground because they never get to the leave and the cleave part of the relationship. Are you with me? 
So we've got to have that. And then there's the weaving, the becoming one flesh, the intimacy that takes place in marriage. Now, with this, I'm not just talking about the physical part of the marriage. I'm talking about every part of your life. You are to weave together. You're to experience oneness spiritually. Are you with me? That's number one priority. So the number one priority in my marriage is spirituality. That we experience Christ together. That we love the Lord together. That we serve the Lord together. There's oneness in our spiritual lives as Christ is the center of our relationship. There's oneness that's there as well. Men, you are the primary faith trainer and leader in the home. It lays upon you, or lies, I always get those mixed up. It lies on you or lays on you. It's on you. Right? You are the one that is supposed to take the leadership of the spiritual role in the family. That is not the responsibility of the wife to do that. However, in our culture today, there are far more mothers that's dragging the family to church. And dad comes occasionally or he comes kicking and screaming or, he, okay, if this is really what you want to do, we'll go sit through that and listen to that and do that. That's not, you're not experienced oneness that way. Are you with me? So there's oneness spiritually. There's oneness emotionally. You've got to connect emotionally. There's oneness even intellectually. You're learning some things together. Listen, for heaven's sakes, we got married. We got married when uh, I was 19 years old. We got married. Now, I knew that was a woman for me. I just knew it. Matter, you know, we were high school sweethearts. We double dated together. She was dating my best friend. I was dating her best friend. I looked at her mom on a double date together. I said, I got the wrong girl. <laughs> Seriously. And I told her, I said, I'm, by the time we do this again, your daughter will be my date. She said, you were crazy. I said, it's going to happen. And it did. Right? I don't think she was any longer best friends with a girl. And I was no longer best friends with a guy. But, hey, I knew what I needed to spend eternity and my lifetime with. Right? So oneness in our intellect as you're learning together. Man, we've learned so much together. There's oneness that's there. Matter of fact, it's kind of fun. We, we do a lot of counseling together now, and we finish each other's sentences. It's weird. I told her we were texting the other day. We were in a counseling session with someone the other day texting. And uh, she was talking, Debbie was talking, the person was talking, I was talking, and Debbie said something. Like, you're beating me to the punch, Right? We're finishing each other's sin. That's that oneness, even intellectually. There needs to be the oneness emotionally, the oneness spiritually. Yes, the oneness sexually. A lot of guys just jump on that right there, and they don't even think about anything else, right? There's so much more to marriage than just that. Is that a part of marriage? Sure it is. As a matter of fact, I've, I've taught sermons and taught on the subject of sex, and I'm not going to unpack that today, but it's a beautiful thing in the sight of God. He created it for our pleasure. And for our recreation. There's a lot of reasons why we have that. The world's perverted it. Are you with me? That's why we get uneasy when we talk about it. God created it. Said it's good. I'll talk more about that maybe throughout the year. But we'll unpack that also. That's real stuff, right? And we find it in Scripture. So we need to pay attention to it. Listen, everything that God has that's good, Satan has a counterfeit. And even in that area. He has all types of counterfeits, and it's destroying a lot of Christian marriages. So we've got to pay attention to that, right? 
So the leaving, the cleaving, and the becoming one flesh. And let me see if I can get back to my notes. Here's what I want you to see at the top of page number 12. As goes the home, so goes the what? Church. As goes the church, so goes society. And as goes society, so goes our nation. As goes our nation, so goes our world. And it just continues on and on and on. But where does it start? Where does it begin? In the home. And within the home, I'm primarily talking about the relationship between the husband and the wife. Now, my, 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 it's already, where does time go in my introductions, right? Here's what I want you to see. Part of the problem here is that in marriage is that we have a false definition of love. What is love, really? I want you to look in, in your notes on page 12. I want you to see that love is not just some sentimental feeling. Love is not just an emotion or some simple affection that we may give. Here's what I want you to get. I want you to highlight this and underline this in your notes. Love is an act of the will. God, listen, men. Scripture teaches us that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Did God, what did God command us to do? Talk to me. Love, right? Love our wives. He commanded us to love our wives. Here's what I do know. God will never, ever, ever command you to do something that you cannot will to do. Okay? You can't, you can't say, well, I'll love her when it feels right. God didn't ask you to love her when it feels right. Right? I love it when the mood, and I love her when the mood is set just right, and all the, everything is in order, and, and, and everything is, no, no, no. God has said you're to love your wife. Now, love is a choice. Let me say something else, and this is one of my pet peeves. I do not believe you fall in love or fall out of love. To me, that's a misnomer. To me, that's, that's, a, that's a way out. To me, it's an excuse. And I've done a lot of marriage counseling. Some folks come to me and say, well, we, we just don't love each other anymore. We're not in love anymore. You've been watching too many movies. <laughs> Hello? It's not about whether you feel in love. or Oh, he swept me off my feet and I was infatuated with him. And now that's gone. Well, yeah, that's gone. You can't live like that forever. Hello? That's the movies. Love is a choice. The Lord said, I command you to love your wife. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, boy, you really want to unpack that? And I haven't even got into what I was going to share with you today. Let's unpack that. How Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What was, let me ask you this. Somebody just throw out some answers to me. What were some of the ways that Jesus Christ, in his actions, in things that he said, in things that he did, and in his life, what are some ways that he proved that he loved the church? Tell me. Shout them out. What are some things that he did? He died. He died. Okay, number one, died. 
Are you willing to die for your wife? Are you willing to die, die out to your career? Are you willing, willing to die out to yourself? Are you willing to die out to your goals and your dreams and everything else you plan for yourself? Are you willing to die out to all of that for your wife? We should be. That's just one. What else? Somebody, there's a lot. I, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear. Okay, so he put others before himself, so we're to love our wife that way. We're to put her before us, right? What's some other things that he did? Yeah, spent time with them, so that's a way we show we love is we spend time. What's some more? He left heaven, left his home, sacrificed. What's some more? He taught, right? Healed, I'm probably limited right there. He did do that. I don't know that I could do that. But <laughs> Here's one. Did he provide for the church? Oh, he provided so much for the church. We should provide for our wives. Oh, it's so much. You look at all that. Did he care for the church? Oh, he cared. He provided. All these things you said are correct. Yes, he did heal, but I, I, I don't think he expects us to do that. What? Prayed. Yeah, he definitely prayed for the church. Prayed for believers. I mean, all of these are things that rest upon us, especially the husbands here, the men here, that we're, that's how we love our wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, right? So love, here's all I want you to get, is that love is an act of the will. Now, ah, my, 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 I am not going to finish this. So how am I going to break this down? Let's, let's talk about here, I want to talk about Ten Commandments uh, love is active. I want to talk about Ten Commandments for marriage. Okay, we're going to unpack this briefly, and um, I'm, I'm probably my 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 my. What do I do? I need to spend a year speaking on marriage. <laughs> it's going to be hard to do one sermon a month just on marriage. Well, let's look at this real quick. I, I, I may just do the first five, and then maybe come back next week and do the next five, and then jump into the other. I don't know what I'm going to do. You pray for me. Okay. Let's look at this real quick. I want to talk about ten commandments for marriage. I want to give you five commandments for the wives and then five commandments for the husbands, for the men. Okay? So let's start off with number one. Number one commandment is ladies. and Hold on a minute. Back up, back up, back up. Wait a minute. Hold on right here. Guys, I can keep you out of the doghouse here if you do one thing. You don't make a sound as I go through this. You just sit there like a bump on a log and you'll come out of this okay. If you start saying, mm-hmm, you're in trouble, okay? If you say, park there, preacher, you're going to be in trouble, okay? So, guys, your advice as I go through this, don't say a word. Just look straight ahead. Don't even look at her. Don't make any eye contact. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Everything I say, you say, thank you, Jesus, and you'll get out of here okay, all right? Are you good? See, guys, I'm looking after you here, okay? Here we go. Five commands here for the wives. Number one is give up on your quest for a perfect marriage. Guys, don't say anything. But, ladies, that's true. You don't, you're not going to have a perfect marriage. There are no perfect marriages. So you must give up your quest for a perfect marriage. For you, marriage, for, for everyone in the marriage relationship, husband and wife, both, It's going to require patience. It's going to require skill. It's going to require tact. It's going to require emotional 
being of yourself, being emotionally involved in that thing. It's going to require spirituality and spiritual growth. There's so much that comes in to this marriage relationship. But here's what I want you to understand. You must grow your marriage. Okay? I promise you, our marriages today, it's not even close to what it was 33 years ago. I mean, it's not even close. That first year of marriage... I thought it was wonderful. My wife would tell you she thought she was going to kill me. I thought, you know, I lived bliss. You know, it looks good to me. No, it wasn't good. I had to figure out some things, right? So sometimes it's tough getting through that. But here's what I want you to know. There are no perfect marriages. So oftentimes we'll... We'll go to the movies and we'll, we'll, we'll see all these different things and we'll have this idea that marriages are perfect. There aren't. Even in the church, there aren't any perfect marriages. We may have a couple that we look up to and, and they may be our mentors in life and, and give us counsel and some wisdom. And that's all well and good. But I want you to understand their marriage is not even perfect. I remember a couple that I looked up to and, you know, I don't know, through the, they just felt like their marriage was perfect. And I kind of lost respect for that over the years. As I got to know them more and more and realized it's not. So stop acting like it. Are you with me? Guys, if there's one thing I want us to be here at Victory, I want us to be real. I'm not, I, listen, life's too short just to go through the motions and put on a face and act like everything is good. I want us to be real. And I try in my preaching, my teaching, to get the rubber down on the road and get, it up, get the cookies on the bottom shelf. That's a statement from Billy Sunday way back in the day. I want everybody to get a cookie and spill the crumbs going out of here and realize that life is real. And I want us to deal with real stuff around here. Okay? Are you good with that? So there are no perfect marriages. Your marriage is not perfect. My marriage is not perfect. There's always room to grow. I don't care how long you've been married. You know, and there's guys who've been married here a lot longer. And I'm not going to call anybody out, but their marriage is not even perfect. There's still air. Listen, if, there's never a day that you, mu- that you stop working on your marriage. Right? The day you stop working on it... You're going to regress, and it's going to go backwards. So just give up the quest, okay? Just cut it out of your thought process. Give up the quest for a perfect marriage. Command number two, turn the page, if you will, on page number 13. Command number two is simply this. Give up your hope of, everybody say changing. Give up all hope of changing your husband through criticism and or attacks. I've sat in counseling sessions and heard ladies say, I'll change him. I'll change him. And I'm like, oh, you're headed for heartache. Right? Because sometimes it's easier to see the flaws in others than not see the flaws in yourself. Right? So nagging, criticizing, attacking your husband... It's not going to change him. It may change him. But you don't want, you don't want what you're changing him to. Right? So we got to give up all hope of changing your husband through criticism or an attack. Look in your notes. The simple truth is you cannot make your husband more thoughtful by complaining. You just can't. Such tactics usually have one of two results with men. They will either retreat or they will become hostile. So we've got to give that up, ladies, all right? So let's be in agreement that we're just going to give up our hope of changing our husband through criticizing or attacking them. Every little thing that does wrong. Well, nah, 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 nah. It's nagging, all that kind of stuff. It's not going to change them, right? They're either going to retreat, crawl back in a hole, get back in the cave, crawl back in the recliner, zone out, 
or they're going to get real angry and become real hostile in the whole situation. That doesn't help anybody. Okay? So that's just commandment number two. I'm, I'm going to get to your husband in a moment. Okay? Probably next Sunday. I don't know, but we'll see. Number three. This is commandment number three. Give praise and affection instead of seeking it. Give praise and affection instead of seeking it. Ephesians 4.29. Listen to what it says. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. So as you're talking, as you're speaking, you should give words of praise, give words of affection, give words of affirmation, and trying to build up your husband instead of tearing them down. You, ladies, need to be your husband's number one biggest fan. Are you with me? In your eyes, ladies, there should never be a man. You should Listen, your husband, ladies, listen to me. Your husband should never hear from you. Oh, why can't you be like so-and-so? And you name some man that you think's got it all together that he knows. And maybe if I tell him that, he'll go pattern his life after that guy. Uh-uh, your marriage is getting in trouble if that's what you're doing. You praise that man. You be the number one cheerleader for that man. I promise you, you brag on him enough. He'll want to get better. You praise him enough, he'll want to improve. You show him affection, he'll want to perform for you in every area of your life and finances and home and everything, right? You cheer him on to victory. You build him up with the words you say. And we had this conversation yesterday in the men's Bible study about the tongue and how powerful it is. And it has power to destroy and tear down or it has power to build up and edify. Wives, you don't have a perfect man, right? Your husband's not a perfect guy. Newsflash, you're not a perfect lady and you're not a perfect wife. And if we're real honest, we both have some imperfections. And what we've got to do is realize that and say, you know what? I've chosen to love this man. And ladies, this is what you would say. I've chosen to love this man. And we're going to grow together. Right? I love him for what he has done. And look at the growth he has given you. And what he has exemplified. So we've got to give up that, that negativity, the criticism by attack, and give more praise and affection instead of seeking it. Here's a question I want you to ask. Look in your notes here. Let me ask the ladies a very straightforward question. Think about this. If your friends only knew your husband by what they heard you say about him, what would they think of him? If they only knew your husband by what you said about him, when he's not around, just you and your friends, what would they think about him? That's a sobering question, isn't it? So let's be careful with our tongue and be sure that we are edifying one another then i said don't rag on your husband but brag on him commandment number four do things your husband likes to do hang out with your husband do things that he likes to do we're on page 14 of your notes ecclesiastes 4 it says that two are better than one right hang out with your friend your husband become best friends i tell you when i go and experience something new i want my wife with me you know i'm not 
I'm not against doing things with guys and having a guys not out or going and doing something with the guys. But, you know, I want my wife there. I mean, we do stuff together. We, we go on excursions together. We, we go on these adventures together. And we go to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and back in one day together. I mean, we do that kind of crazy stuff, right? I mean, we just experience that stuff together. If I'm going on a bike ride, I want my wife to go on a bike ride with me. If, whatever I'm doing, I want her to experience that with me. Why? Because not only is she my wife, she's also my very best friend. I mean, there's things I tell her that I never tell anybody. Right? Because she is my very best friend. So want to hang out with your husband and want to share in their interest. Number five, let me jot this one down for you. You jot it down. Provide a peaceful place at home. Provide a peaceful place at home. Proverbs 17.1, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Ladies, do you realize how powerful you are? Seriously. Do you realize how powerful you are? Do you realize that you set the thermostat in the home? You finish the saying for me. Happy wife. And be careful with that, ladies. Don't get too cocky with that. Right? Don't, don't kind of manipulate that situation too much. But it is very true. So your goal is, ladies, one of your goal, goals, when your husband comes home from work, and he's been out there providing for you. And I realize we live in two career families nowadays. And the wives are working just as hard as the men are. And I understand that. So this may apply to both. Both of you guys, the husband and the wife, do everything in your power to create a peaceful environment in the home. Especially as soon as either of you come home from work. As soon as you walk in the door, that's not the day to run up to him and tell him all the problems in the house and everything that's gone wrong and what he's got to fix. And by the way, hurry up. We're going to eat dinner in five minutes. And where have you been? Why weren't you here on time? And da 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 <sighs> Right? You know, what? <laughs> you know what that makes? That makes guys kind of not want to come home very fast. Are you with me, guys? Did I promise you we're going to be real? We're going to be real here. Okay? So realize that we both, husband and wife both, but I'm mainly talking to the wives now. You set the temperature of the house, what it's going to be. So there may be issues that you've got to talk to him about. Just don't talk to him about it as soon as he walks in the door. Matter of fact, as soon as he walks in the door, and I always think about leave it to Beaver and Miss Cleaver and that kind of family, I realize that's not real either, right? Right? I mean, she was, never had a hair out of place. Everything was just perfect. That's not life either. And I'm not saying you can't have a hair out of place. What I am saying is, welcome your husband home. When he walks in that door, I remember back when uh, Tyler was a toddler, and I drove a truck for UPS, and I would leave the house about 6.37 in the morning. I'd get home about 9 o'clock at night, and I was gone all day driving a truck. And I'd get back home, and as soon as I got home in the evening, Debbie would be staying up late, and she'd be preparing 
uh, a meal for us and our dinner and wait until I got home. And at the top of the steps, there was Tyler, and he was just crawling around. He got where he could pull up. And, and as I was coming up the steps, I'd see him at the little gate there, and he had pulled up on the gate, and he was waiting for me. And as soon as I got to him, we bear-hugged, and, and we rolled around the floor and played. And then we went over and into the dining room. We got in behind. Back in the day, we had a big curtain that went over our sliding glass doors. You guys remember those big old curtains? You'd have to slide those things. We'd slide it over, and that'd be our fort, and we'd slide up in behind that thing. We'd sit there and play while Mom was finishing up the dinner table, and then we'd get over, and, you know, I wanted to come home. I looked forward to coming home because I had a wife that had created an environment of peace and welcoming Daddy home, right? So I don't know what that looks like in your home, but just pay attention to it. Pay attention to the environment. Pay attention to what type of environment your spouse is walking into and that goes both ways okay are you with me all right real quick can i finish these other five real quick if you'll give and i I apologize it's a quarter till and i don't like to keep you this late um but let me finish these real quickly and i'll try to not get bogged down too many here let me give you five commandments for the for the husbands now I want you to look. I even put it in the notes for you here. Men, listen carefully. This may be the most important message you will hear all day. Here it is. Bonus points. With your wife today, if at least you pretend you're listening. Guys, listen. Okay? More bonus points if she sees you writing something down and taking notes, right? Boom. Step up and knock it out of the park. So, guys, perk up right here. Here are you five commandments for the guys. Number one, assign top priority to your marriage relationship. Do not take your marriage for granted. Don't put more time, effort, and energy into your career than you do into your marriage. Do not put more time, effort, and energy into your recreation or into your hobbies more than what you put into your marriage. The number one top priority other than your personal relationship with Jesus Christ is your wife. Okay, plus and minus nothing. So you may even need to help around the house. You may have to do a few things. I put in here, one woman said that her husband's idea of helping out around the house was when her husband lifted his feet while she was vacuuming. (laughs) And we need a little more help than that, guys, right? Look for opportunity. Listen, I don't cook. I I don't enjoy cooking. I like to barbecue a little bit. I like to work on the grill. I like to be around that kind of stuff. But I don't enjoy cooking. My idea of cooking in the kitchen is just pour me a bowl of Fruit Loops and let me put a cinnamon Pop-Tart in and let me burn that thing and there's me a meal, right? I mean, that's just me. I just don't cook. I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. I don't really look forward to eating. I eat because I have to. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm just not. I'm not a big meat eater. I mean, I eat chicken. That's pretty much it. That's all I really care about eating. I don't eat salads. I don't eat greens. I don't eat that kind of stuff. I just eat chicken. I'm not kidding. (laughs) That's kind of it. So I don't get real excited about cooking, but I am a neat freak. I love to clean. So you want me to tell you what I'm doing in the house while the meal is being prepared? Now, I've discovered this. I'm not allowed to clean while she's cooking because I just get stuff gone. It's it's out of the way. And she'll turn around. Where did that? Just stay out of my kitchen until I'm done. Okay, Okay. that's something we figured out along the way, right? But here, we got to put forth some effort. Now, guys, listen. I mean, I feel your pain. We're out there in the world, and we're trying to make a living, and, you know, we're dealing with the boss, and we're dealing with the 
uh, our careers and the pressures of all of that. And I understand you come home, you're exhausted and you're tired and uh, you just want to collapse. And that's okay maybe for the first minute or two. But then you've got to engage, right? You've got to bring some effort home to the family. You've got to bring some, some servanthood home to the family. You are the leader of the house. And so we've got to put our relationship with our wife. Guys, let me ask you a tough question. Guys, where do you think, or where, what do you think, uh, where do you think that your wife would say that she is on your priority list? Guys, where do you think your wife would say? Whenever she, you, she's thinking about your priority list, where would she say she is on your priority list? If we ask her, okay, you can have that conversation later. All right. Look at the last question there. Does she have to compete with your work or with your hobbies? And she shouldn't if we're going to assign top priority to our marriage relationship. Number two, this goes hand in hand even with what we told the ladies. Dare to talk, give praise and reassurance. Uh, Proverbs 16:24 says, "Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body." You ever seen two guys try to try to get affection in their conversation, act like they really care about each other? Hey, how you doing? Good. How you? Doing? Good. All right. Good. All right. And we move on. And my wife said, "Why didn't you ask more?" I said, "If he wanted me to know more, he'd tell me more." What is there a problem? I don't know. I don't think there's a problem. If there's a problem, he would have told me there's a problem. That's how guys do it, right? Guys, that's not how your wife does it. Are you with me? So, guys, you need to work on verbalizing your feelings with your wife. And I know that's tough. But she wants to have a conversation with you about how you really feel. So we're going to have to work into our lives this, this idea of daring to talk and giving praise and reassurance. Now, I typed out a long joke in there in your notes for you, and just so you'd have it. But let me give you the, um, the John Cannon cliff notes of this joke. There was a husband and his wife, and the, hus- the, the husband noticed the wife was very depressed. So they go to the doctor, and, and he says, hey, doc, something's wrong with this. my wife. She's just extremely depressed. So the doctor looks at her. He evaluates her really quick and says, hey, stand up. She stands up. He looks at her in the eyes. Has a quiet moment. Reaches down, holds her hand, looks in her eyes. It's quiet in the doctor's office. All of a sudden, he puts his arms around her, and he just gives her a big old warm hug. At the end, she could, he could feel her body just loosening up and the tension falling and the stress that was on her face now turned into a smile. The muscles are relaxing. She sits back down. He looks to the husband. He says, that's all your wife needs is a good hug and for her to know you're there. And he said, well, that's good. Can I bring her in on Tuesday and Thursday of each week and let you do that? And I've got this and that and the other. <laughs> I know, guys. Sometimes it's tough, sometimes it's tough right, to, to just listen and to engage. But we've got to give praise and give reassurance. And some, at the bottom notes there, some couples are literally out of touch with each other. So, um, so try to connect there, guys. Number four, listen without feeling the need to solve the problem. This was a huge one for us early on. You know, guys are fixers, right? If something's broke, we want to fix it, right? But we've got to understand that's not exactly what the ladies are thinking whenever they're sharing with you a problem or something that's going on in their lives. So, guys, right here, you've got to listen. Guys, say listen. Listen without feeling the need to solve the problem. Say, don't fix it. 
Don't fix it. I, I, actually, here's, here's something that my wife and I agreed to many years ago because I was always messing up right here. I was listening just long enough to get the information that I needed to where I thought I can fix it from here. That's really all I need to hear. I can fix it. Okay? And I come to realize she didn't want me to fix anything. She just wanted me to listen to her and to share in the emotions and the feelings that she was having and listen. So we came to an agreement. I said, okay, anytime you're feeling like that and you just want me to listen, will you now tell me at the beginning of the conversation, John, I don't want you to fix anything here. I just want you to listen to me. Man, that makes life so much easier. Right? Because I can listen. She called the office one time. This was years ago. And I'm in my study and I'm working. And, and uh, she's sharing with me. And I'm like, uh-huh. And this is before cell phones. So I got a landline phone. I have it on my phone. Matter of fact, on the landline phone in the office, we had that big pad on it. We could kind of lay it on your shoulder and talk. You guys remember that? You guys remember that? It's an antique or relic today, but we had it back in the day. And I had it and I moved it on my shoulder. And I'm kind of working on my, not a computer. I was working on my word processor. You guys remember those? I was working on my word processor. And I'm working, uh-huh, uh-huh. John, are you listening to me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm listening. I don't think you... And I, I wasn't. She caught me. Over the phone, she knew that I was working on my computer without... So I had to... Now on, I'll turn away from that, and I'll just listen to what it is without trying to fix anything. So guys, that's something you've got to work on. Uh, let her unpack that without feeling like you have to listen. Number four is avoid criticism. Proverbs 13, he who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he opens his... Uh, opens wide his lips uh, shall have destruction so avoid criticism um, a man who constantly criticizes puts down his wife can produce numerous negative results i'm trying to speed this thing up a little bit for you so you gotta just reduce the criticism and don't do it number five remember the the importance of little things now guys in your marriage there's going to be little things that are going to pop up and come about such as you know myself a birthday is a birthday you know, anniversary, yeah, we got married. You know, from I don't, I don't need anything. I don't need presents on my birthday. I don't need, I just don't need this stuff. I just don't need it. Now, I'm thankful for those that do it. I'm, thank you, thank you. But I don't kind of live for that. That's not the same for your wife. I'll never forget the day. It was Monday, <laughs> April the 10th, 1988. I remember it like it was yesterday. I came home from work. And it's late in the evening, and there my wife was. Hey, how are you doing? Guys, ice cold. Any of you guys ever experienced it? Am I the only one ever experienced that? No, you, you guys are smart. None of you guys are raising your hand right now, right? Ice cold. Do you guys know what April the 10th is? That's my wife's birthday right tyler's april 12th i got that right right april 10th <laughs> april 10th i can't see my wife i don't like it when i can't see her right there i have no idea what she's thinking right now i forgot her birthday now she can probably she can probably tell you a lot more about this story than i can i just know i was in the doghouse i mean i was in the doghouse I mean, I was way at the back of the doghouse. And, whoo, that is not a place that I ever want to go again. You know what I have never forgotten since that day? A birthday. Right? Some things you just got to learn. Take, hopefully you don't have to learn it the hard way like I did. Pay attention to these little things. 
Just the little things. You've heard people say, well, just pay attention to big things and all the little things take care of themselves. I, I somewhat kind of disagree with that. I think if you pay attention to the little things, those big things seem to fall in line. Right? So those special dates, those anniversaries, those events that come up in life, um, those holidays that you have. I don't know about you. You know, we, we have Valentine's Day that's coming up here real soon. Mother's Day is a big one. Christmas is a big one. Be sure that your wife knows how much you love her. Show affection and kindness. Do not forget the little things that take place. Let me give you one last thing, and I'll be done. Here's what I want you to get. It's in the bottom of your notes. It's in bold. Uh, I highlighted mine and circled it. I want you to get a hold of it as well. But here's what I want you to see. Marriages do not fail. They don't. Marriages don't fail. People fail. Are you with me? Oh, we just weren't meant to be good. No, you and your spouse failed. The blame is on both. Okay? Marriages do not fail. People fail. All that marriage does, finish it for me, is reveals what? Reveals the failure. It reveals the problem in the marriage. So there's, there's room for all of us to go to work in our marriage, right? There's not a perfect person here that has a perfect marriage. But maybe something's been said today that would generate a little activity out of you as a husband or a wife that will work on your marriage relationship. The number one priority in our life is our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The number two priority in our life is our relationship with our spouse. You get these out of order, you're going to have trouble and heartache. Next week I'm going to talk about our uh, number one relationship, and that's our relationship with Christ, our number one priority. I'm going to unpack that next week. But uh, this is the second Sunday. I, I want to keep my word right out of the gate that I told you I was going to do this. And so every second Sunday from here on out, look for something like this on marriage and the home and the relationship. Because I want you guys to succeed. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be successful in your relationships, in your home, in your marriage. Because if we can have a bunch of people hitting home runs in their marriage, you know what we're going to have? A strong, vibrant church. Right? So that's why we're going to unpack this once a month. Well, God bless you. Let me pray for us, and I'm not even going to have the band come. I'm sorry I'm late today, uh, but we're going to pray and then be dismissed, okay? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time together today. Thank you for each one that's here. We ask your blessings on the lesson, the scripture, the principles that have been shared today. We just pray they'd find their place in our heart and in our life. Help us to know and realize that the number one relationship we must focus on is our relationship with you. And then number two is our relationship with our spouse. We ask you to bless every marriage and every person represented here today. We love you. Thank you for life. Thank you for our salvation. Give us all a great week. Help us to live out your will in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're liberty to go. Have a great day. Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you've just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360 or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.